Hello and welcome to another episode of our program, Develop. It is our absolute honor and privilege to have your company with us as we continue our exploration in this series that we titled Holiness Movement. And the whole premise of that series is that the brand of Christianity that Jesus wanted us to live and promote and maybe even sacrifice for is a brand of Christianity that intends for us to live the image that God created us to bear. And that image was expressed majestically in the life of Jesus on earth. That's why we call it Christ-like living. But literally throughout the book of Genesis to Revelation, God repeatedly invites His followers to live holy just as He is holy. That means He wants them to express His nature and character in their day-to-day endeavors. And we have been discussing together some of the reasons why we fail as Jesus followers, as Christians, to pursue this ideal of Christ-like living, of holiness uh, movement. And today we're going to focus on one of the other uh, reasons that uh, sabotages our pursuit of holiness. And that is usually a theological understanding that is not necessarily well developed in some Christian circles. And it is the tension between positional and practical sanctification between uh, who we are and what we become over time. Uh, it reminds me of uh, you know my uh, growing up years in Cairo, Egypt. I um, I grew up in an awesome environment, and we all our um, you know family and extended family lived around in a radius of about two and a half hours um, from one another. Uh, and one of my mother's brothers lived in Sydney, Australia. And he would come every several years and uh, he would bring some beautiful gifts from, you know, the land of opportunity here in Australia. And, uh, and I'll be so excited as a very young kid to anticipate his, you know, return to bring more good things uh, to us as a family. And I was a soccer player, you know, trying to be a soccer player. And he would give me, get me, you know, track suits and things like that, which were just so exciting. So I began, um, you know, as a, as a little kid to ask my uncle, what would it take for me to migrate to Australia? Whatever that meant for a young kid, what does it take to migrate to Australia? And he said to me, look, uh, if you can get a visa to get to Australia, a work visa, if you grow up, I was probably 10, 11, 12, I can't remember how old I was at the time. And you study hospitality. 
I'm like, wow. All I could think about when he talked about hospitality, uh, what I see in the streets of Egypt, I'm going to stand on the side of the streets and cut meat or, or, or you know, give people bowls of beans and, or whatever it might be. I, I remember, for, I mean, it just makes me, it makes me hungry just looking at these photos. Uh, but, you know, that was my conception of it. I'm thinking, there is no way under heaven I could do this. But you know what? I'm going to try. I want to, I want to go to Australia. So I'll do whatever it takes to get there. Um, unbeknown to me, several years later, my dad uh, and my mom, uh, for some religious uh, reasons, had to be forced out of Cairo, Egypt. And guess what? We landed in Australia and I did not have to get educated in hospitality. And uh, coming to Australia, it was no credit to me. I basically came along, tagged along because I was dependent on them. My three other siblings, they were older than 18 years of age. Uh, two of them were married and, 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 and they couldn't come with us. But I was dependent and I came as a result of my parents' abilities and credit. And, uh, but coming here to Australia, we got the citizenship, the Australian citizenship, and we had to grow and progress in our Australian um, way of living. So, you, uh, you know, I came with very little uh, English vocabulary, maybe a few words of English. But I had to develop my capacity to interact with people in a language known to them. I couldn't say, no, you need to, you, you know, I just need to speak my, my preferred language, my mother tongue. No, no, I needed to learn and put the effort to learn how to speak. I probably can't speak it yet, but I'm trying, I'm developing. We also needed to interact and build connection in the community. You know, early on, most of my interactions with friends were through the phone and it was very expensive. I think at the time it was around $1.90 per minute to contact people in Egypt. These days you probably can contact them on Viber for free. Where was that in 1989? But we, I had to shift from focusing on my old friends through letters and phones because it was getting expensive and actually build some interactions and connections with some friends here, new friends who seemed strangers at the time, but eventually became my community. I also needed to develop my education and to take on, you know, the burden of learning skills and contributing through uh, employment to the society. I was a citizen because of my dad and mom, but I lived out my citizenship because of my endeavor. And if I separated one or the other, it will not be the full reality. I can't say I'm Australian because I learned the language and I connected with the community and I contributed to the society. I didn't become Australian citizen as a result of that. It was solely because of someone else. I was just positioned in that family and I gained the benefits that they deserved. But I also had to 
play my part and play my role in living out the privileges that are received for free. And you remove one or the other and we've got a skewed sense of reality. And wouldn't you agree that that's probably another illustration of our spiritual reality? We have been uh, uh, given the position of relating to God, being right with God and being members of His family and citizens of our heavenly abode by the blood of Jesus. We did not earn that. We cannot credit our performances to that. But we can't ignore His expectations of us to develop in our heavenly citizenship. And uh, you know, you probably have observed people who just uh, um, focused on their positions to the detriment of their progress. However, throughout the New Testament writing, it wasn't just about our positions in God, our privilege, uh, rights in Christ and our union with Him. All the New Testament writers encouraged us to live out who we really are. We are... And we become, we are already, but we are not yet. And that is the tension of our journey of holiness or our journey of Christ-likeness or our journey of what's known as our sanctification. And so many Christians focus on one to the detriment of the other. And that is why we fail to live out our Jesus-like character. You see, Paul wrote a book or a letter to the Corinthians that maybe indicates to us some of the experiences that we observe in the life of uh, so-called born-again Christians or Christians in Christian environments. Paul ministered in Corinth from about 50, uh, around 50 AD, 51 AD for 18 months. Um, and uh, and that was a significant period of time other than Ephesus, one of the most significant periods of time that he stayed in one city. He wrote a letter uh, to them around 54, 55, responding to a report that came from uh, Chloe's household about some of the problems that they were encountering. So, uh, and the problems got to do with division, with defilement, with disorder in worship and, uh, and, and plenty other uh, messes that were happening around spiritual gift and, and worship and uh, ideas of the resurrection and the like. But if you study a little uh, the layers of the culture, you realize that Corinth uh, and the culture in which they lived was getting manifested in their assembly in their lives. So Corinth was known for moral corruption. It had lots of pagan worship and sexual activities associated with that. They were obsessed with sport. They had people coming from all different areas uh, of the world. And, and Corinth was known to be the land of opportunity where there is freedom of choice with little regard or respect for other people. It was a cosmopolitan city and attracted a lot of tradies from around the world with uh, 
everyone bringing their own standards of living and there were a real moral pollution in the area. And Paul writes to the Corinthians to correct some of the behaviors and the values that they've adopted from their surrounding uh, culture. And he's saying you have an option to either reveal the culture of Corinth or the character of Christ. You have a nature to reveal Christ, but you are also called to reveal Christ. You can't be positionally Christ-like and live Corinth-like. That is really the, the overall theme of the correspondence uh, to the Corinthians. Look at how he declares to them. He doesn't say, because you're living a corrupt life, means you're not really followers of Jesus. Who uh, wants to balance the position and the progress of their holiness. In 1 Corinthians 1, 1 and 2 from a very start, Paul addresses them. Uh, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be His holy people. Have you noticed that? They are sanctified. That's their position. In another word, every time you look in the, in the epistles and you read the word saint, that's what it means. Someone who's sanctified. Someone who is holy. Somebody who's united to a holy one and by union they are made holy. Like we say, uh, you know, uh, when God says to Moses, take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground. Why is it holy? It wasn't holy yesterday when he walked the same path in the desert, in the wilderness. It became holy because it's now affiliated with the presence of God Almighty. And believers are positionally, they are holy already. They are sanctified already. Why? In Christ means because of their union with Christ. But it doesn't stop there. They are called to be His holy people. That means they are called to live out their sainthood, if, if you like. And again, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, and I'll just read you uh, that one uh, uh, line in yellow it says but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God uh, Paul was saying to them you know uh, it's like the kingdom of God uh, does not open uh, you know the way for people who live uh, you know wrongdoers uh, to live whichever way they like and 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 express expect God's favor on them. He's saying that, you know, don't be deceived. Sexually immoral people and adulterers and people who have sex with men or thieves or greedy or drunkards or slanders or swindlers, they won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. You will like that. But something happened to you. A decisive time occurred where you were sanctified, where you were washed. That's now a new reality, a new position in God. Again, he mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 to 30, he says, it's because of Christ that you, because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. That means because of Christ, 
because of our union with Christ that happened once when we genuinely repented and believed and were regenerated and united to Christ uh, by the power of the Spirit, you then experience the holiness of Jesus as your own. It's been imputed to your account. means you share a bank account. The richest person and the poorest person share a bank account. And the poorest person all of a sudden become rich. Not because they've worked for it, but because they're united to the rich one. So uh, over and over, Paul makes it clear to the Corinthians that in Christ they are holy. In Christ they have been sanctified. In Christ they share Christ's holiness, not because of them. They are sanctified by virtue of union with Christ. That is huge. And uh, credit to many evangelical Christian environments, we focus a lot on our position and, and, and we sometimes forget the second aspect of our reality, spiritual reality, that God has given us the Spirit to enable our progress in our reality, to live out our reality. So look what Paul says to them. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and he says, he's astonished. He says, and you're proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? Paul is absolutely gobsmacked by the behaviors of those who have been positionally made holy in Christ. He's saying, I'm so happy that your status, your new status in God has been changed. But what about your life? He's saying, can you believe that you tolerate sexual immorality in your midst that even the wicked people, the pagans, do not tolerate. Like you're worse than pagans. For a man to sleep with his father's wife, even pagans abhor that. This insensuous uh, relationship is not even named amongst the wicked people. You have gone a step ahead of wickedness. So, um, uh, this is probably a father who was no longer with his wife maybe and, and, and the wife potentially was non-believer because that son who is now sleeping with his father's wife is the one that is being condemned. And the only reason he's the one that is being uh, disciplined by the church or by Paul is because the wife potentially wasn't a believer at all. So we, we, we get this sense when Paul in amazement says to them, are you proud of the mess in your midst? Why were they proud? Well, commentators tell us two things. Number one, they were potentially proud of the sin that was taking place, the sexual immorality, because now they liberated by Jesus. They're saying, look at us. We have freedom. We are no longer under the law. We don't count these little uh, intricate details to implicate our position in Christ. We are holy. We have been liberated by the blood of Jesus. 
Jesus, we are no longer uh, obligated to abide by the moral standards of the law. We are new creation. Look how look at us. We're living our new creation status. And Paul's saying, You crazy. <laughs> you are absolutely crazy. You can't be proud of living out contrary to the position of holiness. But maybe they, they, they consider themselves proud uh, because they now tolerate everyone. Uh, in Christ, they are now loving, tolerant people. They are forgiving. They don't judge anyone. So if he's willing to sleep with his father's wife, who am I? I'm, I'm, you know, I can't really call a brother. You know, we, we just, we got to pluck, you know, uh, from our own eyes before we look at someone else, you know, uh, someone else's mistake. No, 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 no. The reality is Paul is saying you cannot underestimate ungodliness and lack of holiness in your midst. You should be mourning. This should really terrify you, not encourage you. And again, uh, Paul continues to instruct them. He's saying, your boasting is really not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Uh, a yeast uh, is, is what would enable, uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the dough to rise. And a little bit of it is all that's needed to impact the whole lot. So Paul is saying to them, uh, you know, using that metaphor to say, just because you have a little sin in your midst, just be careful. It has ramifications. It's just not going to stay there. It's going to implicate the whole dough. So he's saying, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch. What is this? Uh, Paul is saying to them, uh, uh, utilizing the Passover uh, feast that the Jewish people used to observe where they would clean up all the old uh, leaven in the house because the yeast was basically a symbol of sin in this incident. And they would clean up all the tables or whatever, the utensils, so that nothing of the old will implicate, that they clean out the house, symbolically casting out all that is sinful, all that relates to the old way of being. And it's saying, get rid of that mess. You have to put some effort there to get rid of sin. But so that you can be a new unleavened uh, batch. That means you can be clean and, and holy as, as a people. But I love what he says, as you really are. <laughs> you know what Paul is saying? He's not saying get rid of sin so you can be holy. He's saying you are holy, so get rid of sin. Hallelujah. He's saying you are already clean. You are already unleavened batch. So live out your reality. He is simply saying you have been positionally made holy. Please live consistently with your reality. Live out that cleanliness. And he's saying for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore let us keep the festival not with old bread leavened with malice and wickedness that's sin but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Paul is inviting them to do something. He didn't say well done. You have been made holy, 
and ignore how you live your life. No way. He's saying live out the reality of your experience in Christ. So to progress into holiness, we need to recall three primary uh, pillars or strategies in our pursuit to progress and live out who we really are in Christ. Number one, remember your potentiality. I could not reinforce that any further. Paul is saying that's who you really are. Understand Remember, bring to uh, you know to your uh, your mind the reality of what you've become spiritually, because we focus so much in the mirror about who we are. We take photos of our sinful uh, ways of living, but we are not careful to begin with who we are in Christ. We need to remember, we need to bring to our attention, we need to bring to our memory the reality that we've been given the divine nature. The Holy Spirit abides in us and the Holy One makes us holy. Remember your potential. Just like Paul says in in Romans, reckon yourself dead to sin. That is your reality, but bring that to the foreground so you could live it out. But your position and remembering your potentiality that will enable you to live that in actuality requires you to collaborate with the Spirit. And that's why He said to them, get rid of sin. We have propensity to sin, inclination to do the wrong thing, inclination to skew uh, life to be all about us, to be self-oriented, to be self-centered, to, 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 to harm everything around us for the sake of the number one. Paul is saying, no way. Get rid of self and sin and the stuff that is undermining your walk with Jesus. And then Uh, He's asking us to respond to the Spirit's prompting. The Spirit is working in us to will and to do. The Spirit is the one, uh, you know, people say to me, uh, you know, to pursue and to get rid of, can we do that on our own? Well, that's not true, but you have a role to play because uh, the book of Hebrews tells us to struggle against sin. Uh, the, the, the book of Hebrews tell us to uh, throw off uh, that which is hindering us from pursuing a God-given race, the sin that easily entangles us, but anything else. So we have a role to play. So how do we know what to do? Uh, is, it, is it like a list of, of, of uh, you know, obligations that we have to take? No, no, no. It's being aware of the Spirit's prompting. The Spirit speaks to you as you spend time with God. The Spirit speaks to you as you in silence, you, 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 you silence everything around you and seek God to communicate to you. The Spirit speaks through the people around you. The Spirit speaks to you as you worship. The Spirit speaks to you in your conscience. But we need to to, to respond. We need to, we need to be obedient and to say, not uh, you know, I have a role to play in living out my Jesus-like character. The reason, friends, we fail to pursue holiness is because we do not commit to progress in our Christ-bestowed holiness. And I am so sad to, to say some churches and some Christian environments so heighten the idea that we are positionally uh, right with God, but they don't talk about our process of sanctification, encouraging us, stirring one another to live out 
our reality. And, and we use Paul and misinterpret Paul and, uh, and, and take bits and pieces of Paul's letter when it's both doctrine and duty, when it's both beliefs and behaviors, when it's, when it's the way we live, not just the way we know things. Friends, we are invited to remember who we really are in Christ, holy people, saints, but to live consistent with our reality, we need to get rid of impurity and sexual impurity uh, is one of those horrible things that once uh, we adopt and we take it easy, we find ourselves in ditches we never ever ex expected. You just need to remember the story of David and the story of many uh contemporary leaders who compromise with sexual, they compromise their sexual integrity and all of a sudden everything, the whole deck of cards collapses. We need to respond to the Spirit's promptings by surrendering to His little whispers, the whispers through the words, the whispers through other people and He will enable us to manifest Christ's holiness more consistently. Friends, you are holy and you are called to live holy that is God's intention for every follower of Jesus from Genesis to Revelation the Spirit communicates repeatedly that we are holy in nature and we're called to live holy lives we need to progress not to remain spiritual babies but to move on in our walk collaborating with God as we remember who we are as we get rid of what is not of God as we respond promptly and diligently to every whisper of the Spirit. And that is our hard desire and passion and prayer for every single God lover, Jesus follower, that you would, that you would experience progress in your life, that like Paul says to Timothy, let your progress be evident to all, that the progress of your life with Jesus, the Christ-like character that you reveal may be so beautiful, so helpful, so impacting in every environment you are in. We will continue to pray for you to live out your God-given nature and calling. Thank you so much for watching. We love having you with us. Look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Until then, be utterly blessed.